Ah, thank you for returning with us after that short break. Uh, we are here with Dr. J.B. Hickson uh, once again. And, and Brother brother J.B., we're glad to have you again. Uh, and we uh, are really excited about uh, today's content. And I, I don't know if excited is, is the proper word. However, uh, I, I get excited to share a truth, as I know that you do. And, uh, and we've got some truth to share today, don't we? Absolutely, yeah, and uh, we left off with uh, uh, the second of, of what we're calling five core components of deception, Right. and we see this as uh, Satan's M.O., if you will, um, from Genesis 3. So uh, when he fell and couldn't have heaven for his domain and overtake God's throne, he said, well, I'll take, I'll take the world then, I'll take the created order, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so uh, he... Uh, he started out by questioning truth. Has God indeed said, uh, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? But then he also, secondly, misrepresented uh, truth. Right. Uh, if you continue that verse, he said, uh, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Mm -hmm. Well, is that really what God said? <laughs> I mean, uh, what did God say? Let's go back to Genesis 2. Yes. God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. That's right. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. So Verse 17. Really yeah. misrepresented truth. Yeah, yep. uh, Genesis 2, uh, 16 and 17. So, and by the way, that verse goes on to say, for in the day you eat of that one tree, you shall surely die. Pretty plain um, language, yeah. Just as a side note, as we're talking about you know Satan's deception and his his method of operation, we need to we need to remember the connection between deception and, and death. You know, Jesus in John eight forty four said Jesus was a murderer from the beginning. Yes, Satan. Uh, that's because Satan was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Right, a liar and a murderer. Exactly. That's where I was going. So the purpose of his deception was to kill. Uh, mm -hmm. Jesus in John 10 says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. Uh, Peter said, our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and of course, uh, in Revelation, death is Satan is personified as death in the, in the final judgment after the millennium when death and Hades are cast into the lake of fire, the everlasting lake of fire. And uh, Paul teaches that uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy to be defeated is death. So people need to understand that Satan's a killer. And uh, he's not just there to make your life miserable or to cause, you know, to, to be a killjoy of some kind or, you know, tempt you to do things. He's there to kill you. Yeah. And uh, sin, when it's full grown, always brings forth death. Um, and uh, so, so, but back to, to Genesis 3, you know, Satan clearly <clears throat> misrepresented, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, God's word. He said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Has God indeed said that? So he questions truth and he misrepresents. And by the way, he, he also influenced Eve so that she misrepresented God's word. Mm -hmm. Because if you remember her response in Genesis 3, uh, verses 2 and 3, the woman said to the serpent, after he asked her that question, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree? She said, quote, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, 
you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it. Mm. Now, did God say that? No, That's he not did not. God said. No. <laughs> so when you start questioning truth and misrepresenting it, it has an effect, and, and it, it sort of marginalizes truth so that people then begin to uh, be nilly-willy with the truth and, and, and cast it in uh, different lights. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's not at all um, you know, what uh, God said. Uh, you know, God said, don't eat of it. Right. And the day you eat of it, you will surely uh, die. So uh, it, when, when he's misrepresenting truth, essentially what he is saying is that truth is a matter of opinion, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, and, and when it becomes a matter of opinion, then it, like I said, it's marginalized. And not only did Eve misrepresent the truth when she said that God had said not to touch it, which of course he hadn't, she also downplayed the consequence because God said, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's but right. Eve kind of softened it a bit when she said, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. As if to say, you know, you might die if you do this, so don't touch it, don't eat it. So right off the bat, even just after his first two kind of tools in his tool bag, Satan has had a profound impact on the mind of Eve, just by questioning truth and misrepresenting it. Right. Uh, so then you go to verse 4 in Genesis 3. So, uh, you know, again, just so your listeners are tracking with me, you know, you, Satan questions truth, he misrepresents truth, and then he directly contradicted God's truth Right. in verse 3. He basically says death and judgment are an illusion because he says, to the, Genesis 3 verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That's direct contradiction, yeah. Completely, yeah. And the reason it's important to understand Satan's M.O. is because if he'd have started with, hey, Eve, here's a newsflash for you, you're not going to die, she would have immediately noticed that that was contradictory to what God said, and it would have been harder, perhaps, to get her to go along. Mm -hmm. Now, most people, when they think of deception, this is where they start. They think it starts with a blatant lie. It doesn't. It starts with questioning truth, misrepresenting it, and then having primed the pump, so to speak, you know, you directly contradict it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Satan blatantly negated the death penalty that God had given uh, and the warning that God had given. And as uh, we said earlier, Satan's a liar from the beginning. Jesus uh, tells us in John 8, 44, and this is his lie. You can sin and get away with it. There's no consequence. The fact that mankind rebelled against his creator uh, and uh, did the one thing God told us not to do has no consequence. And that's been the underlying, no pun intended, uh, undergirding lie, let's say, uh, from throughout history. Mm -hmm. uh, it mm -hmm. all kind of goes back to that one lie. You won't die. There are no uh, consequences. So what's happening uh, today, JB, is the same old lie, basically, with... Uh, just a, a different wrapping paper. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, and, and and of course there are consequences from it. Uh, death in scripture means separation 
Uh, and we have a, a chart in our Not My Works book of theological charts, diagrams, and illustrations uh, that I frequently show in different uh, presentations uh, that talks about six kinds of death in Scripture. Uh, obviously, we understand as believers that uh, death involves spiritual separation, yes. separating us from a holy God and requiring redemption and uh, uh, the needed payment to be made, which was made by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, But death also brings physical separation mm-hmm. of the soul from uh, the body, and the soul will spend eternity in a literal place of torment called hell. And when you die, there's that there's that separation physically from the soul and the body, but also eternally, if uh, if you've never trusted a Christ. And so, you know, uh, Paul tells us in Ephesians two one that we're born dead in our trespasses and sins, and that's talking about spiritual death. Um, but as I've often said, and and, and uh, you may have heard this. Uh, when I was in uh, Illinois uh, there, uh, you know, if you're born once, you're going to die twice. But if you're born twice, you're only going to die once. That's right. Physically. Amen. In other words, if you've only been born physically and then never experienced the new birth through faith alone and Christ alone, uh, then you have two deaths awaiting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you. You'll go the way of all flesh, mm-hmm. physical death, but then you'll die eternally. Yeah. However, if you've experienced the second birth, by faith, like Jesus talked about with Nicodemus in John 3, then, of course, you'll only experience one death, physical death. And by the way, uh, there will be a generation that doesn't even experience that, because yeah. the generation that's living when Christ comes back to rescue the church before the great day of the Lord's wrath, Amen. After, Amen. They, they won't even experience that. But most people throughout history that are believers have experienced only one death, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yes. There's that physical separation. Yes. But, uh, but they'll never experience the second death uh, because uh, we've received the payment on our behalf uh, through Christ. So, Amen. So, so question truth, misrepresent truth, directly contradict truth. His direct contradiction was death and judgment are an illusion. And Eve should have immediately contradicted Satan when he contradicted the truth, but she sat passively by. Um, you know, uh, she agreed with this falsehood. You know, we, we hear people all the time saying, you know, uh, we just need to agree to disagree. No, we don't. We need to disagree to agree. We need people standing up to the lies and the falsehoods. And one of the reasons I'm doing this series is, uh, and I know a lot of other pastors that say, oh, you know, don't, you know, don't address that stuff. Just, you know, preach what will make people feel good. But I, I just sense an urgency for such a time as this that pastors need to be addressing what's going on in the world through the lens of Scripture and calling uh, the church to respond appropriately. I mean, this isn't the time to be going through, you know, uh, 10 characteristics of the high priesthood and, and you know, parsing every uh, sacrifice and festival in Leviticus 16. I mean, the time is short. Uh, we need to preach the whole counsel of God, of course, but I think people really need to recognize that, and pastors especially, that the Word of God speaks in a context, in a culture. And right now, we are knocking on the door of the end game and Satan's plan. Um, yeah. And we don't know the timetable, uh, but that, it sure seems like it's it's got to be close. Seems like he's got um, his seems like he's got his foot on the gas, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And, you know, we always need to remember there are two factors that affect 
the timetable of the end times plan. First and foremost is God's sovereignty. Yes. So God knows the time, and anything and everything that happens is only because he allows it to happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Peter tells us God is not willing that any should perish, that all come to repentance. He wants every person who's not saved to change their mind about Christ and become saved by faith alone. Amen. And so he's been, you know, very patient. Uh, and and we don't know for sure uh, whether the we will you know see the rapture in our day and, and shift in uh, to the end times. But uh, the other factor, obviously, is the Luciferian timetable, mm-hmm. and that's not a monolithic or set in stone either. I mean, they've been trying for two thousand years and really even longer to go back to the ancient paganism to take over the world and usher in a one world system and. Right. Uh, because of infighting and, and conflicts internally and uh, other setbacks, chief among them is the influence of uh, the Holy Spirit in and through the church today, um, they've been restrained. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. they may have a timetable, and that timetable could be soon. And if their timetable lines up with God's sovereign plan, it's it's going to happen. Yeah, and yeah. When you, when you talk about them playing with life and, you know, ch- changing the genome and uh, conquering just about every frontier of the image of God and man, it sure seems like it's got to be close. Right. So so we talked about the three of the five steps so far from Genesis 3. Question truth, misrepresent truth, directly contradict truth. And then if you look at verse 5, we see the fourth step is Satan shifts the focus from truth to perception. Yeah. I know that's kind of wordy. It's not the, the most, uh, you know, homiletical way to come up with a fancy sermon point, but it's there's a lot packed into that statement, so let me say it again. The fourth step in his MO, in his anatomy of deception, is to shift the focus from truth to perception. Mm-hmm. Notice what he says uh, in uh, verse 5. Uh, because the pathway to deception always goes through this shift. Uh, so he says in verse 5, For God knows, for God knows, you will be like God, knowing good and evil, and so forth. Uh, so that's an explanatory word for, and he's essentially getting into the mind of God. Is that really why God said what he said, which we've already pointed out, Satan even puts words in God's mouth to begin with. He doesn't even quote God directly. He lied outright. Mm-hmm. But now he's trying to get into the mind of God and speak to God's motive. Um, I mean, is that why God issued his warning to Adam and Eve? Because he didn't want them to be like him? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a shift into uh, perception. It's this notice it's this it's this notion that perception is more important than reality. You see that happening uh, in reality. churches. You see that happening in churches today. They're they're focusing more on experience than they are on reason. Yeah, for sure. You see it in every walk of life, but definitely in the church. Uh, but, you know, this idea that facts don't matter, reality doesn't matter. It's an age of virtual reality. Yeah, you know, how, how, do you, how do you feel about it, right? Yeah, yeah, style over substance, form over function. The makeup man is more important than the speechwriter. Speculation is more important than empirical evidence. Uh, people mm-hmm. have little use for facts anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very difficult to look 
you know, beyond the presentation and the style to the facts of the matter. So someone will listen to a, a speech or watch a video on YouTube and you'll say, hey, what'd you think? And they'll say something like, oh, he was funny or I didn't like him because he was boring or, you know, he didn't, you know, he was, he didn't dress right or whatever, you know, whatever. And, and you just, you want to go, no, no, I'm talking about, about his content. What did you, what did you think about his content? Well, they don't know because they're not even considering content. It's all about the fluff, not the stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, John Adams, one of our founding fathers, reminded us uh, quite uh, poignantly, facts are stubborn things. And, you know, whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. <laughs> yeah. um, and this, this tendency, you know, to ignore facts and, and in favor of perception, again, manifests itself in all sorts of uh, contexts. Uh, but it's at play, uh, particularly whenever someone questions the official government narrative about anything. Yeah, uh, they'll they'll just say, "Well, you're just a conspiracy theorist, or you know, you're just crazy, or you're a tinfoil hat." Okay, well, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean people really aren't following me, you know. And uh, so let's deal with the reality. Let's deal with the facts. Uh, don't just dismiss a person out of hand because they're bringing up something that you've never heard. Einstein said, uh, you know, uh, uh, that uh, to reject something without investigating it uh, is the height of ignorance. I think we talked about that previously. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I like what uh, Ben Shapiro said. Uh, he said, facts don't care about your feelings. Very aptly put. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and I, I've often pointed out, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, Joseph uh, in the first century was less concerned with perception and more concerned with the reality when he discovered that his betrothed wife Mary was pregnant. Right. Because the perception was, oh, you got to put her away. You got to, you know, she could have, he could have killed her under the law. Yep. Uh, yep. But he understood the truth of the matter, mm-hmm. and he ignored perception in the face of, of undoubted scoffing. So, uh, I know we're about out of time. So the fifth one. So you know, again, question truth misrepresent truth, directly contradict truth, shift the focus from truth to perception, and then finally invent new meaning for truth. Literally make up completely new definitions, make up words, assign completely new meaning. And and we are living in this day when words no longer have intrinsic uh, meaning. And so in verse 5, again, say, uh, for God knows... Uh, that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now that that has no basis. That that there's nothing was not even anywhere in the context of what was going on when God gave Adam and Eve the instructions yeah. And, yeah. and so forth. So it was literally a a making up, if you will, of truth. And so we need to remember that words have meaning, uh, and uh, we can't let them redefine words like. Know, vaccine hesitant, or you know, uh, the homophobics, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not homophobic. I, homophobic. I just think homosexuality is an abomination to our holy God. Okay, that, that's different. You can put a label on it, but you don't get to define what that label means. Right. Uh, 
Frederick Nietzsche, that German atheist philosopher, said, I fear we're not getting rid of God because we still believe in grammar. And uh, yeah. Satan knows that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He knows that language is one of the fundamental parts of, of creation and the created order. And if he can do away with language and, and just make words have you know any arbitrary meaning you want them to have, then he's gone a long way toward winning the battle absolutely so there you have it that's that's the uh, the five steps you know question truth misrepresent truth directly contradict truth shift the focus from truth to perception and then invent new meaning for truth yeah i, I think jb that uh, that six point outline is is quite complete uh and you know it five points five, five i'm sorry yeah, five, five points, points. Uh, i think the last two are the ones that we see uh really evidence that Satan is putting the pedal to the metal with his plan right now. He's really using those last two uh, in, in large doses, isn't he? Oh, he is. And, and fear, we're going to talk about that in the new series that starts tomorrow. Again, I want to remind your listeners that they can go to notbyworks.org and click right on live stream uh, in the menu bar there, or uh, just watch for the highlight uh, carousel of the, the What in the World is Going On banner will come up. That's the title of the series. It'll start at 6 o'clock uh, Mountain Time every Wednesday. Um, uh, but again, if you can't join live by live stream, uh, the videos will be posted usually by either late Wednesday night or Thursday morning, and we're going to talk about a lot of this up in great detail for the next several weeks right you're going to even this five point outline you're going to expand on even even uh to a greater extent during that that series aren't you yeah we're going to show you how satan uses this model again and again and again and, and expose a lot of the uh the lies but more specifically the series what in the world is going on is going to take what's happening in the world and show you where it fits in god's uh prophetic plan and how it could be setting the stage for the return of the Lord. Amen, brother. Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, I'll be listening in. Uh, I know, I know pastor Dick will be listening in. We, we will be definitely attentive to that. Uh, and if you are in the, uh, the Sedalia, Colorado area, be sure to not miss be sure to be at Plum Creek Chapel when, uh, during during this uh, during this uh, series. You're not going to want to miss it. A lot of vital information that you'll miss out on if you miss it. Be there or be square, like they say. Right, JB? <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for, for letting me be a part of the show again this week. Uh, uh, actually, Pastor Dick has something he wants to interject here before we leave, uh, JB. Yeah, I'm Okay. JB, I'm just going to do what I always do, is I'm going to give an invitation to those uh, who are listening who may not be saved or have doubted their salvation. And um, I'm just going to quote my Lord Jesus Christ when he said in single syllable words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, dear ones, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, do so today. And how do you do that? You believe God. Believe what God said in his word. Amen. And Jesus, the God in the flesh, said he was the way, the truth, and the life. 
and that no one gets to heaven except by him. So we're closing a word of prayer now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for your precious and holy word. We thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit that you have given to us to lead us and guide us into all truth and help us to uh, continually um, preach, teach your truth. We, uh, we ask these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Pastor. And uh, JB, thank you once again. Uh, scintillating information uh, and uh, very accurate and uh, very detailed. And we thank you for that. Uh, it's really stuff that people need to know about uh, and, and have not a shadow of a doubt about. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Uh, I'm assuming that we'll, we'll be with you again next week. Is that correct? We are. I'll be at another conference uh, next week, uh, okay. Patriot Pastors Conference. Um, I don't know the schedule yet, but uh, definitely uh, really uh, looking forward and planning to, to work it into the schedule to do uh, to do the, uh, the interview again on Tuesday. Fantastic. So are we, JB. Thank you once again for being with us. Uh, we're going to be signing off now. So this is the uh, Christian Underground News Network. Uh, please be sure to tune in and be with us this Saturday as we continue our series on Second Peter and uh, uh, Zealous for the Truth, I believe we've entitled that. Uh, uh, some critical information out there uh, for, you, for you Bible students and uh, for everybody else as well. Uh, in fact, a lot of it ties in with what uh, we were talking about with JB today. So uh, be with us this Saturday as we uh, continue in Second Peter. Uh, may God bless and keep you until we are with you again on Saturday. We are the Christian Underground News Network signing off until then. God bless. <laughs>